right. Matthew chapter 6, if you'd turn there, please. We're going to go to a well-known passage of Scripture. I've taught on this a number of times over the years, but I think that it has specific uh, pertinence to where we are right now in the Spirit. There's, there are a lot of things that are happening. God warned us. Warning is not, yeah, he did kind of warn us that we were in transition. It wasn't just an information, it was a warning. Because anytime you have transition, it means that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of shaking things up. And uh, uh, I, I think that that's definitely been something that's been happening and is going to continue to happen. Um, but I, um, I remember as Mark was teaching this morning in Sunday school, uh, he taught about Joseph and the, the giftings to be able to interpret in the midst of this world. And uh, as Mark was speaking, I felt like the Lord really impressed me that Joseph continually went through transitions, and those transitions were um, promotion. And there were particularly three times that Joseph had a change of, of his mantle and his clothing. And I think that we've, we've kind of been through that, and we're entering into the last the, the latter one now as the saints. Uh, you know, the first one was when Joseph had the coat of many colors and his brothers became angry and they took the cloak and uh, put him in a pit. And uh, you know that story. He was sold to some uh, uh, Bedouin people. And, you know, when we first accepted the calling to go after the Father and to go after the moving of his seven spirits and to, to know him in a deeper way, um, God allowed us to make a transition from all of our roots, all of our, uh, you know, of our familial ties in the spirit realm. And that was a good thing. It was difficult at the time. It was painful, but it was a good thing. Uh, the second time then when was Joseph was in that Selah moment, that, that time that he was in Potiphar's house, and, um, you know, there was, you know, the, his robe was taken as he fled temptation, and he was falsely accused, and he was tossed in the slammer, and um, that was a difficult time, but he really wore the clothing of a prisoner, if he was wearing anything at all, I don't really know. I don't think that there was a, uh, I don't think there was a, a group that watched prison conditions there and made sure that things were opulent for the guys that were there. And then the third time was when God said, "It's time for you to be promoted," and he began to be put in position to interpret dreams. And Pharaoh um, acknowledged that the spirit of Elohim was with him, and Pharaoh gave to Joseph the ring, making him the the second most powerful person in the, in the natural in Egypt, and he put on him a new robe. And I think that God has led so many of you through those two facets, those three facets. And we're entering into a time now where God has prepared you, and he's continuing to perfect you into this point of transition, and you're going to be having... Uh, the privilege of impacting nations in a way beyond what you've known. And, um, you know, I remember, I remember when um, you all first began to follow the Lord in, in the deeper things of the Spirit, and you, you spent time on your face before God, which was a marked 
difference from what we had used what we used to do uh, all of us in in our existence in the general church and um, you know there, there are two factors that we really got to embrace uh, the first is knowing how to function and cultivate the what what Jesus spoke about again in Matthew with the two or three being in agreement and the Lord being in the midst of symphoneo of everybody contributing what they are in the spirit realm and then God begins to move in the midst of that. That's a very powerful thing and we need to cultivate that. That was spoken of this morning, what happened yesterday and is what has happened many, many times here and in network places around the world. But the other thing is that we need to really develop our, our place before God individually. And we have to have both of those. We, we have to have both of those. And you know, there, there are a lot of people who, who don't like the, the, the gatherings where lots of people are praying. It's too loud. It's too noisy. It's chaotic. And believe me, as pastor, I got a lot of flack for what we were trying to do and what we continue to try to do. But then there are others who are so loving of that atmosphere that they don't hardly know what to do when it's just them and the Lord. And so there, there, there's, that, there's that conflict between having both of those environments. And I, I kind of equate it to <clears throat> playing sports. Um, you have to work at your craft or even playing musically. I mean, people don't just step on the stage and start rocking out with Zeppelin. They have spent hours on their own when nobody else was around learning all of the things that they need to learn to make their craft strong. And it's that way in the spirit realm. I mean, if, if, you, if you just are addicted to being in, in the crowd and fueling off of other people, and, and if you're not on your own seeking after God and becoming strong and knowing Him, you're kind of freeloading. And it won't be long before you find yourself unable to move in that group and then iniquity comes in. So the best thing is we need to have both. We need to have that secret place in the Lord, and we need to have our ability then to move as God directs when we're praying together. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a discipline to welcome both of those, but they're both necessary. And I, I would say this, as your pastor and as uh, a leader in this network, um, we have to police ourselves don't fund the policing of yourself. Don't defund it. You know, nobody's watching you when you're at home to see how much you're praying. You know, a lot of people are at home now and you're surrounded by a lot of other folks and they kind of, as much as you love them, they can have a tendency, i got to watch how I say this, and I'm not talking about my house, I'm just saying in general, you can, you can dumb down to whatever this, the lowest spiritual common denominator is. And you've got to police who you are in the spirit or you're going to atrophy. And if you think that's not happening, listen, this, it's a 24-7 pursuit of the spirit realm right now. And it always has been. But you're on call. I mean, this morning, at like 3.30, through 3.30 to 5 o'clock, I don't know what kind of warfare was going on. But I was just, I was just holding, holding ground in the midst of a lot of prevailing influences in the spirit and and um, you know you've got to you've got to 
be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So don't slough off. Don't let the enemy dumb you down. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of you battle this all the time. And the greater giftings you have, the more there's going to be pressure on you to, to lay it out, not do anything with it. So nobody is, nobody is keeping tabs on you. You have to be before the Lord and be strong and, and seek him. You know, this silence fast has been a tremendous thing, and I trust you're still honoring that. And I believe the Lord wants this done. I'm doing it through the end of July. But the other day, I, I, well, I'm blessed to come up. You guys can come up and pray. I mean, you're, you're able to. You have access. But I was laying over here doing that silence fast, and the Lord gave me two really amazing warning visions just out of nowhere. I mean, it just came out of the depth of my spirit, and I trust, I know that it would not have happened had I not caused myself to absolutely become silent before him. I was joking with a brother this past week, and um, it, it's part of this church but doesn't live here, and he is saying, I made it through about two minutes in my silence fast. <laughs> and you, you've got to work to make this happen. You know, you really do. But it opens up things. And um, what we're talking about here, look, I'm not, I'm going to go on whether any of you go on or not. So I'm not trying to, I'm not running for office. I'm telling you for who you in, are in the Lord, you have to do this. This is between you and God. You have to do this. I'm not getting any money out of it. I'm not getting any acclaim. You know, we're not saying, okay, everybody come. We want 5,000 people doing it today. You know, I'm not doing I'm telling you, mano a mano, you have to do this. And you have to be strong in the Lord because it's you and your calling from the foundation of the world. And so I can't do that for you. And um, you, you're strong. You're mighty in him. And so, and I, I tell you, I want to tell you about one more thing, and then we are going to get into the Scripture. There has been a lot of discussion about oil in the past couple of weeks. And in fact, this week, we hope to have a roundtable of sorts uh, where we can discuss uh, some of the factors. And I'll just go ahead and say, Stacy Maggs has done a study on oil, and we're going we're gonna to have some kind of a discussion. I don't know what day it's going to be. We'll make that known. Uh, but... Um, there's a lot of folks prophetically and, and individually who, who have been really feeling the anointing uh, in that way. And it was mentioned again today. And it's very powerful, very powerful. So God is saying something through this. But uh, about a month ago, and this has happened to me about five times in, in the middle of the night, um, I... I I w would wake up out of a vision where I was dealing with uh, an angelic host. And every time they were putting a pool of oil in my left hand. And I, I thought that is really, that's very strange. And the first time it happened, I thought, okay, that means that there's an anointing here for uh, the fulfillment because right is pr prophetic and left is the fulfillment in God's timing. And I thought, that's great. We're all for that. And then it happened again just a few nights 
later, I, I just, you know how it is when you're praying, you wake up and you, you're, you know you're engaged in something in the spirit realm. Maybe you're praying in the spirit and just for that nanosecond, you, you glimpse what you were in and then you kind of transition into the natural. I know this is weird stuff. Any of you who tuned in, look, I'm as biblical as all the rest of you. I'm just telling you, this is what happened, in, and I can show you a lot of places in Scripture where these kinds of things happen. And so it went on and on, but, the, you know, the fifth time was last week, and I, I, I thought the room, I was, it was, you know, it's usually dark in your room when you're sleeping, but I, I was in a vision, and it was just bright, and there were angels that were coming back and forth, and again, they were pouring this oil, and it was like, it was, it's just in my left hand. And, and I looked around, and I, I thought, what, what are you guys doing? And one of them just kept coming and put something there, uh, which was an oil type of a stirring. And then the, the vision ended, and I thought, all right, Father, I mean, this is something that I recognize is not, it's not about me. It's about what we're called to be and what we're called to do. And honestly, the first few times this happened, I just kind of praised the Lord and I kind of thought, well, that's great. I think that this is for healing. I think that this, because one time we were getting ready to go and when we had prayer class on Saturday and I was standing over there and I heard a voice say, the right hand is for is going to be fellowship and the left hand is going to be fulfillment and miracles. And I, th I thought, that's a great voice. And we hadn't really done the study about right and left at that point. But um, I'd been just been interpreting it based upon what, um, you know, what I, what I knew from a pneumatikos perspective. So last week after I had this more expanded dream, I thought, well, I better... I better do more than just rely upon what I know. And so I thought, I'm going to look this up. So do you know, the only time in Scripture where it says the left hand with oil in it is in Leviticus. And it's when the priest is making a declaration over the person who has been cleansed of leprosy. And it's, it's a twofold thing. The one is this guy or woman um, is their head and their eyebrows, it's really kind of a weird thing, is shaved, and they, they have to pronounce, first of all, that they are actually clean. And it's, it's a process of days, and there's, there's a sacrifice where you take two birds, and one, one is killed, and the other one is set free to fly away. And there's symbolism in that, and that's great. And I really do believe that God is, is, um, is doing something on behalf of the church. You you remember, those of you who were here, the first sermon that I preached when we came back from Brownsville, the very first one, Rachel Hunter had put up back here red and green, and we talked about leprosy in the church. That was the first sermon God gave after, it was before divers' tongues, it was before any, it was before proscuneo, it was before any of the testimonies, it was the first sermon, and talked about how leprosy is more than just a, an infirmity in the scripture, but it really does eat away at the fabric of what the people of God should be. And um, so I thought this was very interesting that God was speaking about 
a leprous scenario with this left hand in oil. And so I think that at this time, obviously, God throughout this country is stirring up a lot of stuff. You know, God is bringing about a revelation of a lot of mess, and it's just in everybody's face. And there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. And I'm not going to delineate what they are, but a lot of the things that I see, I, I'm aware of. I grew up in this country. There's a lot of things that I've been discovering the past month or so. I thought, dear God, how did that happen, and how long has this been going on? But I think that that's indicative of God really trying to cleanse his people and God really trying to awake this, this world. And people have been in seclusion around the world. They've been in, sheltered in in so many ways. I remember speaking with uh, Luke and Sylvie about the, the various shenanigans they've had to go through in France and Luke telling me about the little paper they have to figure out to fill out and that how Luke would just, after a while, you know, he'd just reuse the paper. And, and I thought, that's typical Luke, and, and that's really true. But, you know, people have had a lot of time to, for, to do some self-reflection and some introspection. And, and I think in the spirit realm, we've talked about this over the, over the weeks and over the months. There's a lot of house cleaning God's been trying to do in all of us. And maybe he's still trying to do it in a number of you where God is awakening things and purging and cleansing you. Forget about trying to cleanse everybody else. Cleanse you and um, cleanse me. So that first factor was there. But then when the leprous guy is brought before the people, there's a bigger sacrifice. And here's where you have the oil in the palm of the left hand. And the priest has to sprinkle that seven times into the air and then there's a mingling of the blood and the oil it's almost like for the priest the right lobe the left thumb and the right big toe and it really not only brings this person back into the fellowship with the main body but it also then perfects them and allows them to function spiritually before God so I'm saying all that for this again in the mode of transition I think that in fact I know that this represents something that God is bringing to our network around the world. And this is something that God is giving an empowerment to, to all of us, to know that, yes, it's important for people to get right and to do right. It's important for people to reform and to repent. It's important before the Lord. But just doing that is not all God's after. God wants there to be a re, a re, uh, an integration, as it were, into the things of the Spirit. And that's what this vision, this recurring vision with the angelic, means for this house and for the houses of the saints. So I proclaim over all of us that we would engage in that cleansing and that restoring. You know, the essence of the essence of leprosy is really kind of strange. I mean, we know people had to cry unclean, unclean, but it really, it, it eats away at the body. I mean, it's just gross. I remember when we were in Nigeria ministering for, for seemed like forever, but it was as hot as could be over there that first time through, and they it just, it had been drought. God broke the drought later on, but it was just dusty, and one of the guys 
that drove us around worked at a, a leper colonies for the government. And this guy uh, was talking to us about leprosy. And he said that throughout Nigeria and throughout all of Western Africa, when leprosy first hits a person, it usually hits them and then it, it begins to attack the nose. And it begins to attack right here in the center of the face. And um, he said it's heartbreaking to see people as, they, as their body begins to be eaten away. And I thought, how symbolic is that? You know, if, if there is truly an issue of leprosy in the church, you know, it, it begins by people not being face-to-face -face with God. And it begins by people not being intimate with God, which is what his nostrils represent. And um, so I, I really believe that the Lord wants us to know that God is using all of this, is what was said earlier. Monica said it, you embrace this, you don't gripe about it. And, you know, this morning has been a morning that's speaking about what God is doing and what he's going to do. But we should understand and discern the times. Throughout society right now, everybody is looking at everything. You know, they're unearthing stuff from 20 and 30 years ago. And they're canceling people and they're doing all this stuff, but they're always doing it to somebody else. But really it's indicative of the, of the deeper way of saying, God, search me, know my ways, and I want to be right before you. But then what God is giving us is this capacity as priests before him to pronounce freedom in moving into the things of the Spirit, to be what God wants you to be in the body, but what God wants you to be in the Spirit. And I believe that that is really what the meaning of this is. So I pronounce over all of you that God would, would allow you to be cleansed and that God would also then allow you to be functional in the, the fullness of what he has created you to be in the spirit. And that was a much longer, I was not intending to talk about this, this I was going to talk about it later this week, but in light of what all God was saying already today, I thought this is, this is the time to say it, so I proclaim it. And I, you know, I've been walking around in here and, in, and throughout the church, I'm glad, I try to do it where the cameras aren't, you know. But, um, you know, I've been doing the, the sprinkling of the oil with my right hand, declaring that all of us can walk in a, in a more full measure of, of the flow of the Spirit. But it's an obscure passage. It's, it's in Leviticus, and it's just so strange that this, is, this just seems to be happening over and over again. And I know that it's something that God is releasing to you, releasing to the, the outposts of the saints throughout the world. And um, I believe that it's going to be uh, the next major thing that's going to begin to happen. It's already starting, but um, it's going to have ramifications for you in the spirit. So we finally come to Matthew 6, this passage that is, is so profound. Jesus talks a lot about prayer. And over and over again, he talks about prosukomai and prosuke, which is that kind of reflection. We've done these studies, written about it, so you can access this online and hear the deeper study of it. But it's really the New Testament version of grace and supplication. And when you're offering supplication in partnership with God, 
um, then the things that he speaks and reveals to you are a, a measure of prosuke, and you begin to declare them. It's your perspective being adjusted by God. So in order to gain that kind of thing, you have to really be in partnership type of prayer. What do I mean by that? Well, supplication in, in the Old Testament, grace and supplication partners with God to accomplish the phase of what he's wanting to do in promotion. And that's what grace always does. It lifts you higher. It takes you into the new. And so you're not praying for, it's, it's really seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I will add these other things to you. Most of the church comes just to ask God to add stuff to them. But, but of the many types of prayer, whether it's petitions and whatever, those are all wonderful. But to me, the only one of the seven spirits that talks about intercession is grace and supplication. So you really yield yourself to be an agent of God. And you want to partner with him. And your prayers in that regard are in regard to what he's doing. And you lay aside all your other all your other mess and all your other stuff, and you go after him. And from that framework, God gives you an, a prophetic insight or prophetic perspective. And you then allow that to permeate who you are, and you let that form the basis of what you declare and what you speak forth. So Jesus, throughout Matthew 6, uses that word, over and over again, which explains then why he's talking about knowing the Father, which explains then why you don't want to be like these Pharisees who just are out for show. They, they got a big religious show going on. You don't want to be like folks that the only way they know to pray is to read uh, a canned prayer. You want to know the Father, and you really want to partner with him, and your prosuke is going to be from that deeper walk of partnering with him. So we come to this wonderful passage uh, in, in Matthew 6, 6. You, when you prosukamai, you enter into your closet, and when you have shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And the Father, which, um, which sees in secret, will reward you openly. So many things in this. The first is, when you are going to be partnering with God, you, you enter into your closet. And we've talked about this, what this really means. And I've heard all kinds of teaching on this. But if you just look at what the word means... Just look, even look in your strongs. Just look in whatever lexicon you want. And it's, it's a word that means the place of treasure. Now, in ancient homes, they didn't have safes. They didn't have lock boxes. They didn't have, uh, you know, this, they didn't have a sticker, this, this home protected by Smith & Wesson. You know, they didn't have any of that. So they would find a place where they could, in their home, usually dug into the ground, sometimes burrowed into their makeshift walls, a place where they could hide their treasures. And this was the tamnios. This was the place where you stored things, and you, you knew that it was the most precious place in your, in your home because the things you treasured most were kept there. So Jesus says, you go to that place. Perhaps literally, but more so figuratively. 
and you, you, you shut your door. You shut out every other thing. You shut out every other thing. You know, it's interesting that this word that I talked about where closet was used in the Greek um, in all of their demonic worship plan. And if you were going to build a, a, a little temple or a shrine, you'd use this word. It, would, it was a place where you would meet and commune with whatever it would be, Apollo or, or uh, Athena or who, whoever you were worshiping. And it was consisted of a place where you would give your offering, where you would burn incense, and where you would submit yourself. This is the word that was used to describe that. So it wasn't just the place where you personally hid something. It was what was known throughout that culture, and this was a Hellenistic society, and Jesus certainly knew what word he was using. He was describing how people in their personal agenda worshipped, whether it was the demons or, in this case, the best, the, the original, worshiping the one true God. And you shut yourself off. You shut the door. Now, I think if Jesus was talking today, he'd say you power down your phone or put it on silent. And you're, you're before the Lord. And it says your father sees the cryptos. He sees in secret. He sees in secret. He looks at those mysterious things that he created within, within you the cryptos of your life, those, those, those secret things that he put in you, that he created in you from the foundation of the world and what he wants to utilize. God sees into that. That's what he's looking for. That's where his eyes are going for. So you have three things going on here, and, and this is important for us because God has said he wants you to establish an altar in your house. God says that he, yes, he wants to have these gatherings where we come together in five folds and when we come together in, in group prayer, and those are wonderful, but they will be strengthened abundantly if you will do diligence in your own house and go before God knowing that he is communing with you in supplication. That's the, that's the essence of all Jesus is teaching here. He says it over and I didn't count the times he used prosuke or prosukomai, but I'm telling you, it's everywhere in this passage. So he's wanting to partner with you as you seek after what God's doing at his throne. And secondly, you need to recognize that God is looking at you for the secret things that he put in your life that are different than in anybody else's life. That's what the Father is looking to. He's not looking to see how you're dressed or your latest hairstyle. or He's not looking at, you know, people did you wrong. He's not looking at any of that stuff. He's looking at that secret place, the crypto's place. That's where his eyes are going. And you go into that place that has meaning in your life, that, that store place. And you shut yourself in there. That's what you have to do individually. That's what the Father's looking for. Now, I don't know how far you want to go with this, this, this place of treasure. I don't know what would represent that in your house. I don't know whether some of you, maybe you have an art studio, and that's really where you 
You, you really become yourself. Maybe that's where you go to pray. I don't know what it would be for you, but each of you need to, to ask that. But it needs to be a place, certainly not in the kitchen. <laughs> Even though I know some of you love that place more than any other place in your, in your house. But don't go to Grand Central Station and expect to be shut in with God. There's too many post-it notes on that fridge. So you want to stay away from that. But you, uh, you, you, go, you go, you know, Tammy, I have to tell you, every time I see this verse, I see your name in this Greek word, and I think that explains your purse. I mean, it's, it's a storehouse. But it's, it's very interesting um, to see that. But you're going to have to, just, you're gonna have to find this place and, and make it a temple before the Lord. And he's going to meet with you. If you'll let him, he will meet with you, and it will be powerful. So, But again, I go back to what I was saying at the very early point. I was praying the other day, and, and I, felt, I felt the Spirit convict me because I had not been praying enough. Now, God is not, you so-and-so. You know, it's, that's not what it is. You, you, feel, you feel him drawing you. And you feel the need there, and you feel him longing for his partner, and you feel, okay, I know I spent this many hours in the past couple days in prayer, and God's still saying he wants more. And so you're going to have to really, you're really going to have to recognize that God is relying on you to pray. That's what he chose to do because he loves you. And, you know, so I, I quickly repented before the Lord. But, you know, the reason I brought that up was just a minute later, I felt just, uh, I felt like I was imploding. And the Spirit said to me, you need to tell your people that they need to step it up. And I thought, well, Lord, how am I supposed to do that? I can say it, which I'm saying it right now. But that only has the effect that you let it have. But it's not me that's saying it. It's the Lord saying it. He loves you. Each of you are mighty in God. And he wants that. He, he desperately desires that commune and that repartee. He wants you to be his voice. And so this is what the Lord says. And I think it might be a good thing for you to read this sixth chapter because he's talking about this, these secret places over and over again. He talks about it in your fasting. He even speaks about the, the, the thesaurus, which we made a, a major theme during this, this last seminar, um, that that place or the storehouse of wisdom and understanding in heaven, which over and over again in the scripture, Jesus says, you need to recognize that this is really where you're functioning. It's not on this earth. It's here. And Jesus talks about this a number of times in this passage. And so I'm, I'm really saying to you this, and I'm going to reiterate the points, and then we're going to be done. What has God been saying prophetically? He's been saying a lot of things. Take note of those. They shouldn't be leaves in the wind. They should be a tree of righteousness. And you need to recognize that's what it is. God means business and he wants you. 
Secondly, there's transition happening. And we're seeing God unlock and release magnificent things, just tremendous things. Remember what this silence fast is, is based upon. It's the 30 minutes of silence in heaven when that seventh seal of the little book is open. We're living those days right now. For John, he saw them in the future. You and I are living them right now. And, and so that real-time shot that John saw, we're living. So God needs you to be opening yourself in that way. There's cleansing and there's uh, an invitation into the deeper things of the Spirit for you right now. And it's personal. It's Yes, it's for the group, but it is personal. You know, we, we, uh, we're only as, you've heard it say you're only as strong as the weakest link. And, you know, I want to know that when we come together to pray, all the folks that are there are in fine shape spiritually. And so it's up to you. You can do that. I mean, I don't have, you know, I don't have a monitor that I can gauge people when they walk into the door. In the door, wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> you know, you've got those those touchless temperature things that people try to do. Wouldn't that be something, Pastor Fabian? Get working on one of those, and, and make sure it comes in seven colors so that we can glean what's actually just what's he talking about. See, I knew he was not speaking scripturally. I'm just playing right now. Um, but, but know that this is a transitory moment. God's promoting, <clears throat> and he means business. And so do your best to be open before God and recognize that the things that are happening in, in the world and in our country, view them from a pneumaticon spiritual perspective. Yeah, I'm not saying to be of no earthly good. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is for something to be touching the world in this way, and it is touching the world, there is something happening in the spirit. And the enemy's all over it. But remember, every time in the scripture God does something, the enemy's always right there. You know? How many times? The enemy comes in one way, he's going to flee in seven. Jesus preaches his first sermon, there's an unclean spirit there. You know, he comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration, there's an unclean spirit there. Uh, creating all kinds of social issues for the crowd. You know, a little boy foaming at the mouth, the father weeping. Everybody's saying, ooh, 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 you know. And, you know, here's Jesus coming down. His face is still glowing. He has to deal with that. You know, there's a lot of other passages of Scripture that speak of this way. So God is doing a thing, and the enemy is all over this. And we've never seen the enemy move across the world in this way. But it shows you that God is moving. So get with it and see things from a spiritual perspective and love, but be ready for God to use you. Something mighty is about to happen. Something powerful is about to be presented. And I, I, here's what I think as I've prayed, and I'm not setting dates or anything like that, but I think that this, this season is going to go on and it may get worse before it gets better. But... God is going to allow then for a great visitation of his spirit. And there's a lot of the things that have been prophesied about a move of God and people coming to know him. God is going to release that because that's what the enemy's trying to block. He's trying to muddy the waters. And we better be ready to, to enter into that. Have that as your perspective.
Don't give place to whatever person on the television or whatever person on the radio or your, your, your pocket devices. Don't let them chart the course of what you are spiritually. You know God and you be ready. And then when that light comes, go forth, work, because the night is coming. Because when that time is done, there's going to be some darkness that comes. Now, I don't know how much time is for that. I don't know how much time God's going to give us. I know the enemy's going to try, according to Daniel, to change the times. He's going to try to occlude things. He's going to try to... And in fact, he's trying to block things right now. And we need to break through by declaring the will of the Father. This is what God has ordained. He's not put off or surprised by anything. But you who are nomadicos need to emerge. I think one of the reasons this silence fast is there is to cut through all the crud of all the opinions. See, that, that was a cud-crudding sound right there. Um, <laughs> we got to sell that. But, you know, God is, God is really trying to speak to you and develop you. He needs you in this time frame, and you need him. So there's a great move of the Spirit coming, and we need to be ready. Um, so, uh, but we also need to know that it's not kingdom now. We're not going to say, oh, things are so great. Let's just rip up Revelation and Daniel. It ain't going to happen now. We don't need it now. That is not God's word is forever settled. And so we just need to know that that's what's happening. So the point is right now, get serious. Wake up. I'm speaking to myself as well. Whatever you've been doing before the Lord, do more. Love him. Press in. This is from him. And, and um, I, I'm just really excited about it. And you should be too. Now, again, I'm, I'm almost done. It's just quarter after. I mean, so I've still got, I've still got time on the clock. <laughs> I could preach to 1 or 1.30 with this congregation and nobody would care. Um, but, you know, some of you might say, well, you know, I don't know, Pastor. You don't know what I've been through lately. You, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to even contemplate this because I don't really see how God can use me. I, I know the enemy speaks that way, and so often we help him out. I go back to what I said about the oil in the hand and the Leviticus people. If God can heal a leper... He can certainly heal the places that life has taken chunks out of you. And even if you have participated in that chunk taking, God can pronounce you clean. And you don't need to stand off on the outskirts of the camp yelling unclean. You need to let God use you because he loves you. And um, this is a word from him today. So... I think that um, it's a good day. It's a good day. And I speak all over you. I speak to you right now in Jesus' name. And those of you who are joining us from so many different places, I speak that the Spirit of the Lord would come into that secret place in your heart and in your home, and that you would have those encounters with God that he has longed to have with you, that he's had in the past, but 
the, the ones that he's wanting to do now are, are just beyond anything you've ever imagined. He loves you. And I speak that you'd be willing to do this in the Lord. And my words today, Father, are not to try to convict anybody or to make anyone feel guilty or bad. But it's an invitation to break out of the morass of where we've allowed ourselves to be encumbered and to move into the deeper things of your spirit. So I speak that over all these dear ones. And Lord, thank you. Father, thank you. We speak blessing over the mission that you've given us. We speak blessing over every saint. And let us come into that place to know you. We love you. And we ask all of these things in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. And uh, thanks for being here today. Um, thank you for tuning in. And we will see you this week. Remember, don't forget, Facebook tomorrow is going to have a special message for you. And uh, for those of you in France, message of the week tomorrow. And Saints Radio on Tuesday. Wednesday Night Live on Wednesday, and then a roundtable discussion some point. There's all kinds of stuff going on. So enjoy. Thank you. God bless you all. Thanks for being here.